Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. A miracle birth, a choice for life, and a uniqueness, something that made her special. And then along came bullies, Bono, a TED Talk, and an inspiring story that I'm excited to share with you as we spend time with 18-year-old Chloe Howard, author of the book Stand Beautiful. Chloe, before we begin to uh, get into the backstory and unpack a few things, share with us uh, some of the statistics that you found as it relates to bullying? Bullying is an epidemic, um, and in many instances, it cannot be stopped. Um, One in four students say that they have been bullied, and one in five say that they have been a bully at some point, which is a harsh cycle. In the U.S. alone, a student is bullied every 10 seconds, and it's so sad. But I do believe that when we stand beautiful, when we are able to love ourselves and our differences, and we are more equipped and able to love and accept the differences in others. And standing beautiful is ultimately what will stop this epidemic and will change this world. Certainly, we have to understand that uh, these are not just statistics, but something that you have lived through and walked through Mm -hmm. and has really set you on a different trajectory in life than you probably ever thought would happen. So to begin at the beginning, what what set you apart at birth? Yeah, well, I, for one, was not supposed to be born alive. Doctors on an ultrasound saw that I would have two club feet, which is a severe foot deformity, and they also saw a hole in my heart. And so they took all of this into consideration and assumed that I would have trisomy 13 and would most likely be stillborn. And so my parents were advised to have an abortion, and because of their faith, they decided not to, but prayed for the remaining four months of my little growing period. And then four months later, on April 17th, 2000, I was born happy and healthy with only one club foot, and my hole in my heart was completely healed. And so from the beginning of my life, my parents called me a miracle. And I was born with a severe club foot, so when I was born, my foot was upside down and backwards, and I only have three toenails total. So growing up, I knew I was different, but I always loved my foot. I was taught the veggie tales truths, if you will, that God made me special and he loves me very much. And I loved that foot, even though I had to have surgeries and deal with casting and braces and physical therapy. It was hard at times, but I was always proud until at age 14, I was assaulted on my Christian high school campus because of that foot deformity. What did your parents do to instill in you... um self-worth and value when they knew that you'd be coming up against kiddos that might look at you a little differently? I was taught from a very young age to, when asked about my foot by my peers or by adults, to answer with confidence. And matter-of-factly, when people would say, Chloe, what's up with your foot? I'd be like, well, it's just my foot. I was born this way. God made me this way. And I love it. And that confidence that they instilled in me at such a young age was so important, especially dealing with children and the things they say on the playgrounds and in locker rooms, which fortunately I didn't have to deal with a whole lot of until at age 14 when it happened. 
what was also super helpful was that we did watch Veggie Tales religiously, and so the little Bible stories um, that we were taught, we talked in my family a lot about Moses and about Esther, about this idea of being chosen, like living with purpose, and how we all have a plan that God has for us. Um, so those ideas really instilled in me this sense of purpose, and I felt confident in myself in that God loves me and made me specially and had a plan for me. Well, certainly applause and kudos to your parents for <laughs> for building that into you, and we'll have to make sure that uh, Larry the Cucumber hears the good news as well. Exactly. He listens to the show, so that's a cool connection. I guess it's interesting to me when I hear about uh, the assaults that happened uh, at a private Christian school. I know sometimes, especially in the Bible Belt here, we feel like, hey, you know, it's protected and we're going to go there. But obviously, uh, there are broken people everywhere. Yeah. Walk us through a little bit. What 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 happened was your freshman year, right? It was my freshman year, November 20th, 2014. In the lunch quad one day, I was restrained, and without my consent, my deformed foot was exposed to a group of my peers. And I talk a lot about this incident in my book, Stand Beautiful, but it was really hard. I had never experienced anything like that. Up until that point, like I said, my identity had been miracle. I felt like I was special and that I was worthy and that I was beautiful, not despite my club foot, but because of it. And in that moment, I remember standing in the lunch quad and watching my foot be held in this other girl's hands. And I saw the scars and the permanent dis- discoloration and I saw the naked toes And for the first time in my life, I saw all those things, but I didn't recognize it as something worthy of being proud of. I, for the first time in my life, saw that foot as something to be ashamed of. And that moment of seeing something that was once so beautiful to me as ugly really impacted me and my identity. And I felt completely lost. I felt like I had lost all sense of myself and I didn't understand how God could be in that. And that incident sparked a period of my life of depression and um, I suffered from PTSD. It was really hard, but like he does, God showed up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an amazing story. Um, There's so much that I'm like, my mind is reeling with all of these questions. (laughs) For one thing, for those parents who have not experienced bullying, or maybe they feel their kiddos haven't experienced that. I mean, you shared a little bit there, but, but what did that do? How did that, how did that affect you? How did that change you? Yeah, I mean, we grew up very sheltered, my younger brother and I. We weren't allowed to watch certain movies because we had, like either had to read the books first or like they weren't just age appropriate. Um, and so when I was assaulted, it felt like my entire family was assaulted because growing up, we believed that people were good. And I think that's an idea that a lot of children want to believe. And then coming to this Christian high school, so believing that I was meant to be there. And then a couple months in this happening to me, It didn't make sense. And I felt like if these Christian leaders in power at this school said that they loved and were reflecting the values of the same God that I said that I loved, I didn't understand um, because the school failed me over and over again and did not support me and continue to sweep my story under the rug. So it was hard and it made me question a bit about the difference between faith and Christian institutions, but ultimately I came out of it knowing that while people may fail you, God never does. Well, and the and and the the thing I think for people hearing the story would think, well, then obviously your parents pulled you out of that school and like we're done. 
but you stayed. I stayed for the remainder of the year. I was assaulted in November, and at that Christmas vacation, my parents were like, Chloe, this is really unhealthy for you. You are struggling in school. You can't focus in your classes. You're suffering from PTSD. Like, this is not good. And I thought about it for a long time, but I eventually chose to stay for the remainder of my freshman year at that school um, because I wanted to prove to myself and to others that I was stronger than what had happened to me. And that's another lesson I've learned and that I want to be made so clear through my book, Stand Beautiful, is that only you have the power to determine what your labels are. That whether you have been bullied or you are a bully, that you're not stuck with those labels. You don't have to be victim and you don't have to be the bad guy. God looks down and sees us in our imperfect perfection and calls us all beautiful. So beautiful can be your label. You don't have to be stuck in that ugly identity. Uh, Matthew West has a song, Forgiveness, talking about the hardest thing uh, about doing that. Uh, Talk a little bit about the forgiveness process for for the the students that did that to you. Forgiveness was something I always felt like I had to do, not because other people said I had to do it, but because I knew that I didn't want to be weighed down by the bitterness of what had happened to me. But when a California district attorney decided to prosecute the case and try the perpetrators for a felony hate crime, things got really complicated. And we were in court and then trial. And after two years of the perpetrators refusing to plead guilty, I was confused and hurt and didn't understand why they couldn't just admit that they did something bad when it was caught on security camera. But when I felt that justice had been served When they were finally sentenced with battery, I felt like it was right for me to forgive. I ultimately felt like it was my time, and I'm so glad I did. Because it was so complicated with all the court stuff, I never really got the chance to tell them that I forgave them. But if I saw them today, I would want only good things for them. I don't have any hard feelings. Easier said than done. Certainly a process and (laughs) all, but you came to that. Wow. So let's talk about this guy, uh, Bono. Okay, perfect. I love Bono. Yeah, what a dude. What a guy. He's so cool. So there was a contest? There was a contest, um, which was hilarious that my dad happened to win it through um, Omaze because my family never wins anything, ever. <laughs> um, and so when we found out that he won the chance to be flown out to Denver and meet Bono before his concert... My dad was like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. Chloe, please come. And I was like, yes, please. Because growing up, my dad and I would always listen to you two on the car ride to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and I are diehard U2 fans. Um, so we were flown out to Denver uh, in June 2015, which was at the end of my freshman year. And I had been working up the courage to tell Bono about my story about my club foot and my assault and how his song Invisible really helped me during this time not feel so invisible. And Bono walks in and he's so cool. He's wearing his shades inside, which is like the epitome of cool. He's wearing all leather, like leather pants too. I'm like, oh my gosh. Wow. Um, And then I tell him my story and he locks eyes with me and he looks at me and he says, Chloe, what happened to you is an injustice. And he says, Chloe, Every time you tell your story, every time you speak out about injustice, you speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. And in that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, Bono, 
you're so right. And then he continued and he said, in my family, we have a prayer. And whether we say it in the kitchen or in the pub, we pray to make ourselves available for work. Because Chloe, when you make ourselves available for work, allow God to work in and through and around us, his plan for our lives washes over us. And so not only was I in this moment, like basking in the glory of how cool this man was, but I was also so inspired and challenged. And that interaction with Bono was enough to show me that maybe God did have something better planned for me than the very terrible time I'd been living in at that school. And that incident challenged me to a year later at age 16, give the TED Talk. Talk a little bit about the TED Talk, because that is so well executed and and hard to believe uh, someone so young could be so eloquent. And as I reminded (laughs) my wife, if you watch it online, there's no prompters, right? Nope, no prompters. It was crazy. You can read all about it in my book, Stand Beautiful. There's a whole chapter about it. But I was terrified. Um, 16, I've never spoken in front of an audience before. My heart starts beating super fast every time I have to do like an English presentation in class. So when I'm accepted to not only give a TED Talk, And not only as the only youth speaker chosen among a group of 20 other professional adult speakers, but also chosen as the keynote speaker of this event. I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? And I had six weeks to write out an 18-minute talk and completely memorize it because you're right, I couldn't have note cards or prompters or anything. But then I walked out on that stage on August 20th, 2016. And the cover of my book is actually my feet on that iconic TED red circle. I walk out there and I'm barefoot. I'm standing on this iconic red circle and I'm looking at my feet and I look out at the audience and it just makes sense to me. I'm looking at these feet and I'm recognizing everything we have gone through. I'm seeing the same scars that I saw during the assault, the same permanent discoloration, the same naked toes, and I don't see those feet for the first time in a long time as something worthy of being ashamed of. I see those feet as strong and I'm reminded of God's plan and God's purpose and God's overwhelming love. And I do my thing. I give my talk and I walk off of that stage and I know that I want to do it again. And so it's been two years of me being able to kind of travel the world and spread my stand beautiful message of self-acceptance, love and anti-bullying and hope. All of that started on the TED stage in 2016. I'm very, very certain that every time I speak, the words that come out of my mouth aren't mine. It's all God, because I don't have the power to do any of that on my own. I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I'm just Chloe, but God is doing some crazy things. An introvert. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so does the TED Talk, what, what, what leads to the actual book then? So is... Yeah. Um, so there was so much positive feedback from the TED Talk, which you can find on YouTube or on my website, standbeautiful.me, that people started asking me to speak at their schools. And so I started kind of traveling around the state, speaking at schools, and then I went out of state, traveling around the nation. And then people were like, well, it was great when you came to speak at my school. Can you come speak at my event? So I started speaking at events and then companies and then churches And then this past summer, I had the opportunity to travel with Cure.org, which is an international nonprofit that um, their whole mission is healing the sick. And so they go and provide medical treatment to children with club feet or other congenital deformities like I have and help them rewrite their stories, remind them that they are beautiful because Jesus made them. 
Um, so I partnered with them and shared my stand beautiful message in the Dominican Republic, Kenya, and India, which was crazy and so fun. And then Zondervan, the publishing house, approached me and were like, Chloe, your story is amazing. Please do a two-book deal with us. And so I was like, this is crazy, but okay. So that happened, and now I have a teen memoir or like a young adult memoir, and then I have the children's picture book. So I'm so excited. Let's talk a little bit about um, takeaways from the book. So what, what are you hoping people that read the book take away from it? I really hope that they recognize that they as people are powerful, that there is a power that exists within them to rewrite their stories. And when they invite God in their story as well, crazy things can happen. We as humans are resilient. Like I talked about labels earlier, we don't have to be stuck with society's labels that they try and throw at us. We have the power to move past that and to see ourselves as God sees us, which is beautiful. Another lesson that I want people to learn, which they'll take away from the teen book in particular, is that you are not alone. Whether you are being bullied or are a bully or are just kind of living your best life, um, you are not alone ever in what you have gone through, what you're going through, what you will go through, that God is in everything, whether you choose to see it or not. And then the children's picture book, I'm super excited about. Because the lesson is that differences should not only be seen as okay, but that they should be celebrated. And especially because we live in such a broken world right now, we need to raise up a generation of youth who are better equipped to recognize the differences in others and in themselves um, so they are better equipped to love others. What would you say to someone um, right now who's being bullied and hasn't said anything? I would say first that sadness and pain they thrive in silence and when you speak out and recognize that your voice is powerful and that you as a person matter that that pain will die because sure healing takes time but when you bring voice to your story people will get it and they will when you're vulnerable with them they'll be vulnerable back and we as a generation will become one in this voice of rising up and speaking to brokenness um, and being able to find beauty through brokenness. You don't have to let yourself be the victim. I remember even after the perpetrators were sentenced after trial um, and I had already given the TED Talk, I still at times reverted back to being the victim because I lived as a victim for so long. Um, and it's so easy to do. But when you remember that God has a plan for you and it's moving forward and that moments may be hard, but overall God is good and he wants good things for you, that you don't have to live in those hard moments that you can choose to see the goodness of the future. One of my favorite Bible verses is Acts twenty six sixteen, which says, now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see in me. And I love that verse because, one, it calls you to action. Now get up, stand on your feet, stand up out of that pain that you are living in, and then recognize that God has worked in your life and will continue to do so in the future. Mm, Very good. The other side of the equation would be the parents. So what would you say in terms of what parents would say if their child brings them that story? Or are there some things that they shouldn't say? I can imagine it'd be really stressful to be a parent at this time because crazy things are happening and there's so much to look for, I guess, in terms of bullying because it's not 
necessarily just throwing someone in a trash can um, anymore or punching someone in the face is everything. It's the looks. It's the things that's said in locker rooms. It's the things we say to ourselves late at night. It's um, on our phones. It's everywhere. And so one, as a parent, I'd say you're not in the wrong. If something happens to your child, don't feel guilty because there are things sometimes that happen that are out of our control. But I would say that there are definitely things you can do. My parents were really good and have always been and still are really good at communicating with my brother and I about talking to us about our day and noticing when we're starting to isolate ourselves from them or from our friends. But I think mainly it's reminding your children that you love them and you see them and you hear them because Students, especially those who are being bullied, they want to feel acknowledged. They want their pain to be seen so they can feel recognized and then move forward. When people feel like they aren't seen, sometimes bad things can happen because they want to be seen. Mm, Chloe, such wisdom at such a young age. Thank you for your vulnerability, for your story, for uh, being so open to share and help all of us. Uh, for those that want to stay connected to you on social media and the like, uh, where should they connect at? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at I Stand Beautiful. You can use hashtag I Stand Beautiful to share your own story, how you are standing beautiful in your own life. And again, you can visit my website, standbeautiful.me, to check out more about my story and other people's stories or to find my books and apparel as well. Apparel? Yeah. You're dressing us now? What are, what are we, what are we, what's apparel? We have some Stan Beautiful shirts, some temporary tattoos, which, fun story, I recently got the word beautiful tattooed on my deformed foot, so now every single morning when I wake up and put on my socks and shoes, all I see is beauty. All I am is reminded of God's plan for my life. I'm Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. 